well. It's a new start, a new season. You know, if it's your birthday and you blow that candle out and then people, you know, sing for you and then they all wish you well for this new season in your life and we speak a word and we should do that. Um, even if a child is born, what a beautiful example of a new start, a fresh new start. Um, a happy new year, celebrating together with friends and family and we have that beautiful new year's kiss and then we immediately start to speak a blessing over one another. You know, it's funny that the day before, we were all exhausted and tired and so over 2023, and the moment the clock hits 2024, there's this brand new energy. It's just amazing how it works. I don't know how it works. It's fascinating. You move into a new house, and there's people celebrating with you. I hope people are still doing that, coming with a gift and to say, we are so glad for you. I normally like it a bit more if you come when we are moving, then after the move, you know, it really helps a little bit more. But we speak these new words of, of a fresh new season, and it's true because these life events is really indicating of a start of something new. But what if you've messed up? What if we've messed up? Isn't that then a time for us to, to really start a, to, to need a new fresh start? What about the Christmas overeating? You broke your vow. You said, this year, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to overeat. I'm not going to indulge. And you did. You couldn't help yourself. I couldn't help myself. Let's speak in the eye. What about the Christmas bill to pay? You know, you, you go over the top to buy these gifts and to host people and to have this wonderful party, which you really couldn't really afford. I remember there was a time when our family went so far with the Christmas gifts that I had to use my credit card to buy gifts for everybody. And then we had to stop that because it doesn't make sense. What about the Christmas family fight, the annual Christmas family fight? <laughs> You're looking forward to your December holiday. It's really the highlight of your year. Somehow you have to be together with your family and somehow you end up with that sticky conversation. There's always that one in the family. Even about Christmas. There's those who's for Christmas, and then there's those who's against Christmas. Have your family been through that fight? It can be quite messy. Or things that sort of heaped up through the year, you haven't resolved it yet, and you're sort of tolerating one another until you're stuck in the same house for two weeks, and it just comes out. That lovely Christmas family fight, and you messed it up, and it's sour. You ended your year on that note. Don't you then need a new start? But you know what? What about if it's something more serious than that? Maybe over December in the holiday, you slipped away from the Lord. Maybe not in December. Maybe throughout the year you've been slipping away, sliding downwards, lying, and it's becoming a habit. Cheating, swearing, things just come out. There's no more filter on your mouth. What about moral sin? What about fornicating? That one night stand, that one time. Indulging in sexual immorality. Pornography. Addictions. That drink too many that you have, you've been so faithful over these years and now suddenly you are slipping. You see, when we really mess up, we are much more aware of, of needing a new start than things when things go well. And it's true. 
we then really do need a new start. We are in need of grace. But the good news is the Word says the mercies of God is new every morning. So we don't have to wait for another birthday. We don't have to wait for next new year. We don't have to wait until we've messed up again. Today is a day of new beginnings. This morning when you woke up was an opportunity for new beginnings. And we only had to forget the past, let it go, and say, God, I'm sorry for that, but now, here I am, I'm ready for the new. And today, I'm going to help us to see how we can get so stuck and entangled in the current, the present, and the past that we are not ready to move with God into the new. So it's true, we need a fresh start, but why? You see, there's something wrong with the old. If there's not something wrong with the old, why do you need the new? doesn't make sense. If you're driving a car, and it's a lovely old car, it's paid off for many years, it's working, it's functional, it's economical, you know, it doesn't cost you a lot, the fuel is cheap, why do you need to buy a new car? There's nothing wrong with it. In fact, if you buy a new car, you're going to make a mistake because you're going to get yourself into debt. So it's only when the old is wrong, there's something wrong with the old, we realize we need something new. When that old car breaks down, suddenly you say, now we need to get another one. This is not working for me anymore. So what's wrong with the old? What's wrong with the old year? What's wrong with your old, your past? The old is a drain. The old is a pain. And the old is a shame. It's me being a poet there. Okay. <laughs> what do I mean by that? The old is a drain. It's filled with heaviness with burdens, with stress that you could not bear. If you stay in the old, you are strapped in anxiety and stress and being overwhelmed with burdens. That's why the old doesn't suit you. It's too heavy. It's a drain. It exhausts us. The old is a pain. It's filled with hurt from the past. It's filled with traumatic life events that have not been processed yet. So we get stuck in pain in the old. And the old is shame because of the sin we commit, the things we do wrong, our mistakes. It results in shame, and then we are stuck in shame. Can you see the, new, uh, the need for the new? We need to get rid of the old. But here's the good news. God gives us a fresh start. Hallelujah. That's why we're here today. If we have to all give an account of our past sin, and if that could identify who we are, none of us would be here today, because we would have been nullified of the hope that we have in Christ. But God makes things new. So an Old Testament example, which is a very strong example of, of something that's been made new, quite dramatic, I would say, is the story of Noah and the ark. If you think back of Noah and the ark, it, you know, it's a lovely children's story that we teach our children. All the animals, we've got this little song that we play for Abigail. And then the chorus, it's a karika kesenkamp song, and then the chorus is, and all these animal sounds that you make. And that's sort of where we get stuck in the story. It's the, but thinking about that, God made an end to the whole way the world has been running un until then. God got fed up with the evil that was on the planet earth, and he made an end to it. If it wasn't for that ark, 
nobody would have been existing here today anymore. God would have wiped out everything if it wasn't for that ark. So yes, God wipes out the old, and he creates something new, but in the middle, there's an ark. A transition between the old and the new, and he gives this invitation with an open door to say, come inside of the ark, and you will be part of the new. Stay outside of the ark, and you're going to be stuck in the old. Can you see how dramatic that is? And Noah and his family was obedient to the Lord. Until that time, it never rained on earth before. They didn't know what rain is. They had to build an ark for the rain that they didn't know what it is. They just had to trust God, get into the ark. And then when they got out that first morning, everything was new. It was renewed. What a beautiful story. I wonder where would we would have placed ourselves in that story. Would we have been part of Noah's family that got in? Would we be part of the crowd that says, what are you doing? What is this? What's wrong with this life? Surely there's no need for God to do something as dramatic like that. If we think about end times, the times that we are living in, I don't know about you, but when I look at the world, I'm shouting out to the Lord desperately to say, come do something dramatic, Lord. We need something as dramatic as that to come and save us from the evil of this world, the darkness of this world. In the New Testament, we have this beautiful scripture that says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's in 2 Corinthians. What a promise. If anyone, you see, that's the word again, in. Just like we said in the ark. Noah had to be in the ark to be saved, to be part of the new creation. The same way applies in the New Testament. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Can you see today that we cannot start with religion every year to say it's a new year, I want a new start, I want to start with the Lord, but I'm standing on the outside. If you're not in a relationship with God through Christ, there's no hope for a new uh, a new fresh start. There's no new creation apart from being in Christ. Therefore, the foundation is for us to be in Christ first. That's the position that we find ourselves so that we can be part of the new. So God gives us a fresh new start. And again, I want to ask the question, why? <coughs> so let's go back to the scripture that we were reading in Isaiah 40. Do you not know, have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow weary or tired. His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary. So first of all, why does God give us a fresh start in this context? Because God is able to make things new. We've talked about it in, in the Noah story, but going back to Genesis 1, even before Noah, we see a powerful display of God's ability. Genesis 1 verse 1 says, The earth was empty and void. A lot of nothingness going on. And out of that nothingness, God created everything. God made everything new as a start. So the power of God, the ability of God to create everything, to make it new. So he made it new to start with. Then we messed it up. 
Then he came to the point in, in Noah's story when he says, okay, let's make it new again. God makes it new again. Then we jump to the end in Revelation 21, to the end of the Bible. If you read there, after this whole climax of the story of the Antichrist and Satan and people coming to judgment, we've got this beautiful promise in Revelation 21 where he speaks about the new heaven and a new earth. What an amazing God. So he's got the ability, but he has the heart also to make things new. You know, you can have the ability, but there's a certain point where you say, I'm fed up, I'm not going to do it again. Why do I waste myself every time creating these new things and it's not appreciated? But you see, it's more than God's ability, it's also his character and his heart to say, but I want to make things new for you. But God is the creator and he's giving us this creation. He's giving something of himself. It's, it's in his heart. It's what he wants to display to us. And then secondly, in that um, context, is that God is able to go beyond our drain, our pain, and our shame. See, that's the beautiful part. The scripture said he is the everlasting God. There's something in that that makes me say, thank you, God. There's a scripture in Hebrews that says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You see, through this story, we can see how we mess it up and we are in need of a change. We are in need of being made new. But what we do see is from the start when the heaven was created and the earth was created, God remained the same, the same, the same, the same, the same. In 2023, God was still the same. 2024, when we turn to January 1st, God is still the same. This morning when you woke up, God is still the same. So God is not affected by the things that affect us. God is not affected by the sin in this world. God is beyond that. God is not affected by our drain and our burdens. In fact, he says, throw it upon me. I can handle it. I can carry that. It's a commandment. He says, cast your burdens upon the Lord because he cares for you. He says, come to me with your sin. Even if you are filthy with your sin, in Isaiah, he speaks of that word. He says, come to me. Let's talk about it. I'm going to make you as white. I'm going to make you pure. See, God is not intimidated by the things that throws us around. What happens in the one year and the next year does not affect him at all. God is the same. God is the everlasting God. And that gives us a hope. That gives us a hope beyond our mistakes beyond our stress, beyond our pain, beyond our hurt, beyond our tiredness. Sometimes if you are in a difficult time of your life and things are just going on and on and something's happening, then the next is happening, then, you know, the, the fridge breaks and then your car breaks and then the children get sick. And there's a point where you say, is this never going to end? Is this how my life is going to be? We quickly go to that thought, eh? The moment something goes bad, we think, well, that's it. This is my life now. We, we lose hope. But God is still the same. And the same God that showed us and demonstrated to us that he can make things brand new in, in quite a dramatic way. It's the same God in our life today that says, but I'm available to you. I'm ready to make it new for you. Are you excited about that? Are you ready? Are you eager? Do you want to get that renewal? 
That brings us to this question. So how do we get it? How do we get that fresh start? I'm talking practically. So even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble. Do you know that the suicide rate of children are increasing rapidly in the world? Children. And the age of children that commit suicide is um, getting lower and lower. What does it indicate to us? The scriptures say even youths grow tired and weary. Even children that we think they are innocent, they are free from cares and worries, even they get to a point where they cannot handle it anymore. It has become complex. So we should make no assumption. Even they, even they. And then he says, but those who hope in the Lord or those who wait in the Lord, they will renew their strength. You know, so there's also something in this that says that young men that stumble, you know, a young man, if you, if you see a boy that's growing up in high school and they go just last years in high school towards university, they're on a peak physically, eh? It's just muscles. You know, that's all they're all about. They're in the gym all the time, and they are just flexing all the time. And you need to know, and they wear no shirt most of the time. And they are, it's all about that because physically they are peaking. They're on a peak. But when the word says that a young man that stumble, it means that even if you are on your strongest, you are still weak. So what does it indicate to us? It actually says that all of us have a point in time when you are weak, when you are falling, and we should not be too proud to admit it. But those who put, it doesn't say, but there are those that never fall. You see, the pride in us wants to create this version of ourselves that never show weakness. We are always in control. We never fall. We never make mistakes. And it makes us quite judgmental towards people around us. This scripture says, everybody falls. Even the strong ones, even the young ones. But those who put their hope in the Lord, those who wait upon the Lord, will renew their strength. So what does that waiting mean? I was thinking about that scripture when, when I was contemplating this message. The word waiting, what does waiting mean? I don't know about you, I'm not pretty fond about waiting. It's the one thing that I don't really like doing. You know, if someone says, I'm going to see you in 15, 20 minutes time, I'll be there. For that 15 to 20 minutes, it's an awkward time. You don't really do much. You, it's like, okay, they're not here yet. Let, I can't do something else. Let, okay, let, them, let me wait for them to come and then, and then they don't come. <laughs> you know, and then, the, then you wait. What do I do now? Then um, after a while, you sort of get, I wonder where they are. Um, you get worried, and you get anxious, you get restless. Waiting is an uncomfortable thing. It keeps us from being productive. It's really a bother. It's really an irritation when people make you wait, isn't it? Because you could have done something else. Now we have to wait upon the Lord. It means we have to know that it's going to be uncomfortable. And everything inside of you is going to scream and say, I want to do something. Let me, let me just go and do something. And God says, no, uh, you should wait for me. Wait. 
You know, when, the new, uh, when Jesus went up to heaven, he told the disciples, they, for them to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, he told them to do what? Go to Jerusalem and wait. And what was interesting, he didn't tell them, on day number 10, the Holy Spirit will come. No, he, they didn't know when. He also didn't tell them how it's going to happen. They, he didn't give them any indication. You're going to speak in tongues, there's going to be fire from, coming from heaven, and there's a rushing wind. No indication. So there was no way for them to know, oh, this is it. They just had to wait. Okay, it's the next day. Let's pray, wait. Okay, is there something happening? I don't know about you. Nothing has changed. It's still more or less the same as yesterday. Okay, let's wait. Let's wait another day. Let's wait another day. Uh, when did he say it's going to happen? No, he didn't say. Should we stop? No, he said, wait. Okay, well, let's wait another day. And then suddenly, out of heaven came this rushing mighty wind. You know, when God moves, you cannot deny. There's no way for you to doubt when God moves. You will know it. It's when we get into the process and we jump ahead of God that we get confused. Was it God? Is it me? Is it because I... When you wait upon the Lord and God intervenes, you will definitely know it. Last year, God challenged us when Abigail was born um, regarding Urinti. We felt that if she could be with her for the first year or so, but Urinti was still involved with her own business. And we needed that income for us to make it. But we felt God said she needed to give it up. So we gave it up, but we had no backup plan. There was nothing. Just faith. It's like stepping off the stage now. Okay. <laughs> Let me do it here. <laughs> okay, so there was nothing. And then in, the, in this time of the year, in the fast week, we just put it before the Lord, and we submitted it, and we just waited on God. We said, Lord, we want to obey you. There's no way we can do it. The next day, a random person contacts me, says to me, hello, send me your bank details. And we sent the bank details. They send us a message that says, this money is so that your wife can be with your child. Just like that. Unrelational, just like... <laughs> there was money paid into our account that lasted us for the whole year. It supplemented the income that Urinti was supposed to get from a business. How amazing. That was God. We had nothing to contribute but to trust Him and wait and to be obedient. Now, waiting, God showed me that what's happening between the old and the new. If you think about the night and a day, okay, yesterday was a day you had your thing, you worked, you rested, you maybe had to, to do some shopping or watch some sport or something, and then today you woke up, it's a new day. Is that how it works? It's just like, new day, let's start. No. There's something that's called night that comes between a day and a day. And there's something significant that happens in the night. What do we do in the night? We sleep. It's one of the most passive things that you can do, sleeping. You see, you have to go to rest before you can start a new day. You have to go lie down so that your body can process the things of the day. 
putting the memories of what happened today by your subconscious mind, maybe through dreams, storing it and processing it, it until it becomes long-term memory. Taking the things that you've been swallowing the whole day and absorbing that and filtering out the toxins in your body so that you can be rested and clean and ready for the new day. You see the importance? We cannot continue without sleep. God created us that way. You cannot just go on from one day to the next day to the next day to the next day. We are not machines. We are human beings. We were created to stop and rest and wait. Wait for the next day. It doesn't matter if you sit at night and you are worrying about the next day and you're making this list and you are wearing yourself out. It doesn't change. It doesn't bring you closer to the next day. It doesn't for sure make you more ready for the new day. But going to sleep indicates something about letting go and trusting. Isn't it true? It means you are trusting so much that you can switch off completely. You're giving up control when you sleep. So in a way, we are designed to give up control, to let go, to surrender, in a position of rest so that we can be refreshed. And yet we think, I'm just going to take myself from one day to the next and I'm just going to move and move and I'm going to be goal-orientated this year and I'm going to focus on all my targets and my task lists and I'm going to achieve this and we drive ourselves like machines. The second rhythm I want to look at is the seven-week rhythm. God says, for six days you can work, you shall work. On the seventh day you shall Church, do what? Rest. So there's a seven-day cycle, and one day is meant for nothing. Well, nothing productive. So that we can start again with the next week. You can't just go from Friday to Saturday to Monday, but there was no Sunday. Some of us rest on a Saturday. Well, then you can't jump from a Friday to a Sunday, and start, Sunday you start. Where's your... Something has to happen on the seventh day before you can start with your new week. And yet we think we can just go on and on and on. God has created us with this rhythm of life. What happens in a Sabbath resting? You know, it means, again, we are giving up control. We're surrendering to God. We say, God, we trust you. I cannot, I'm not a machine. I cannot guarantee the outcome I have to stop my work and trust that Monday it's going to be all good still when I'm back. So what's happening in that space? Ephesians 4 says, put off the old, put on the new. It's the process of letting go of the burdens and the stress. So if we wait on the Lord, it means something like this. We, we have to let go of these burdens. We have to process the trauma and the hurt. Just like at night, you have to process the day's events and putting it to memory. You have to repent and confess of your sin. In, in, in other words, you have to let go of everything that's old. Then there's a moment of being naked. Whom of you are getting dressed every day? You're taking off the old sweaty one. And before you put on your PJs, is something in between. There's a moment of nakedness before, you're getting, before you get clothed. 
That's a moment of washing. You take a bath, I hope. Taking off your sweaty clothes, you should have picked it up there. That means let's just take a bath and then you can put on your new clothes. So we have to get up to a place of processing. Processing. You can't jump into this year, but you haven't processed the things of last year that's been bogging you. Then waiting on God so that we can see him. He says, behold, I'm making it new. Can't you see it? Can't you perceive it? So that we can hear him. So I want to recap what is happening here. We need a fresh start from our pain, our drain, and our shame. God gives a fresh start to those who need. But we have to wait upon the Lord to get this new fresh start. So I want to challenge us this morning. Here we are. The new year has started. We said happy new year. I want to ask this question. Is it really a happy new year? Did you start this year with a rush? I need to do my work. I need to do this. I need to already start. I'm already, I feel already I'm behind. Maybe you started this year by assumption. What does that mean? Well, you just assume that everything is made new. Just looking at your life in December, it looks horrible and it looks quite intense and it looks burdensome, but yet you assume everything is new just because the year has switched the number. How does your life look mentally, spiritually, emotionally from 2023 to 2024? How did you start that? Was there a moment for you to process? Or are you still stuck in some of the drain and the pain? It's just sort of disguised with all the new energy coming from the happy new years. And the moment you get, get back into your reality zone and everybody's back at work, you are triggered again. And you realize nothing has changed. I'm just where I left off last year. And you fall into this despair. You see, just because the year has turned a number from three to four, doesn't necessarily mean that you've made the switch and started new. We all need to start afresh. How do we do it? We start afresh in the Lord, in Christ, waiting on Him. And maybe for some of you, there wasn't much of an opportunity. Maybe you've been with family, you came back, the house is a mess, everything needs to be sorted out. You've got your to-do list. There's so much going on already that the year is already a week on and you have not had the time yet. And this is why I'm preaching this sermon today. To call us back then to say, okay, let's make time. Let's get back to a position where we can wait on the Lord. The word says, those who wait upon the Lord... They will soar on wings. It's one of the most gracious things that you will ever see is an eagle flying. Have you ever seen an eagle flying? There's some other birds like a harida, you know. It's not as gracious. It's like, it's like they never seem to get off the ground. And some of us, our year has already started like the harida. We're just flying, but barely, like a chicken. I mean, he says you will soar on wings of an eagle. Graciously, you will be flying. You'll be carried on the wind. There's a grace of God that will carry you. That's the promise. Today, I want to speak this promise over, over us. God has not called us as a church to be rushing from the one thing to the next. To run our lives like machines. 
God would like us to soar on wings, to be carried by His grace, to gracefully fly into what He is calling us. Let's close our eyes. We've already heard the, the words of the song, this is a day of new beginnings. And you've heard the promise now that you will soar on wings like an eagle. God says, I will renew your strength. God is promising to us, I will make everything new. But here is the thing, I don't know where you're really at. I don't know physically where you're at. I don't know emotionally or spiritually, mentally. So maybe for the rest of the world, you could, you could have hidden everything and you, you've put out the happy new year face and the sparkles and you've given high fives around to everybody and you're even greeting everybody with the happy new year. May you have a blessed year. But in your heart, you know, somehow you have not moved on. Somehow, you are still stuck in the old. Today is an opportunity for you to not to move forward, but to, 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 to come to halt, to stop, to pause for a moment and to wait upon the Lord. So I just want to give an opportunity for those. If you are here today and you know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you through this message, and you need to get back to that position of waiting. Why don't you just raise your hand and then we're going to pray together. Thank you. Thank you. So when we pray now, there are two or three things that we're going to do. For us to process what has not been processed. Very simple. If it is a burden and stress, you're going to throw it upon the Lord. You're going to give it to Him. You're going to say, Lord, this is the burden that I'm carrying. If it is a hurt or a pain, you have to identify where the pain came from. Who has caused the pain? And for you to be free of the pain, you need to forgive. You need to let go of the anger and the resentment. And if it is shame that you are stuck in, you need to identify what is the sin that you have committed and then confess the sin. So before we wait on what God wants to say or do, we first need to handle what needs to be handled. So as I pray now, I'm going to pray a general pray, prayer, but I want to ask you then to engage specifically with a specific thing that you need to deal with. So Father, today as a church, we come before you and we lay before you our lives and we take the burdens and the stresses and the anxieties that is so heavy and weary maybe burdens for a relationship that's not working or finances that's not working out or our health that's not in a good space or whatever it is Lord we submit and surrender that burdens now to you we give it over we give it over we cannot carry those burdens it's heavy. Lord I pray for any one of us that's stuck in pain from hurt, trauma, things that happened maybe last year that's not been processed yet. It caused a lot of pain. I pray that you'll help us to identify right now what has caused that and who has caused that. Lord, and help us by your grace 
to forgive. We want to let go. We want to speak a word of, of a release over that person or, or people. We want them to be free. We want us to be free. And then, Lord, also our sin, the mistakes we've made. Slipping away from you, slipping into sin, falling into sin. doesn't matter what sin. We want to bring it to you and say, Lord, we confess that sin. We confess the sin of slipping away. We want to confess the sin of idolatry, of worshiping something else instead of you. And we want to ask your forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, that you are the everlasting God, yesterday, today, and forever the same. And we can now look upon you with hope in our hearts that you will make things new. In Jesus' name. I want to give us an opportunity as a church now. We've dealt with things now. But let's have another moment of quietness. The music ministry, the music team is just going to sing that, that chorus again of a new day, a new beginning. But let's be quiet as a church before God now. Let's use a few minutes. The coffee will be ready, don't worry. The chicken in the oven won't burn. Let's spend just two or three minutes. Be quiet in God's presence and allow the Holy Spirit now to speak to us. Allow the Holy Spirit to move upon us. And if you haven't been in that space where you could really spend time with God, you can just say sorry. Lord, I'm sorry for not spending that time with you. But here I am. Make yourself available. And Holy Spirit, we just want to give you that moment now that you can now speak to us as a church. Show us what you need to show us, what we need to see. Give us an image of what we need to see that gives us hope for this year. Lord, let us hear what we need to hear. Speak to us, Lord. Give us that word that we can stand on.
as far as the east is removed from the west. Can you see how the old and the past sin is moving away from you? Can you see that pain moving away from you? Can you see the burdens moving away from you as you move forward by the Spirit? This is what God's saying. I'm bringing a separation between you and the past. I'm moving you further and further away from that reference point. And the biggest change this year, I just sense, is going to be in the way that you look at yourself. What you think about yourself. No longer being defined by this world and by your mistakes and by what people say and think about you. But being defined by what God is saying about you. Amen. 